Welcome to the Career Solutions Podcast. With more than 25 years' experience in career coaching via her own company, managing and leading teams in major corporations, host Marilyn Feldstein will share her experiences, tips, tools, resources, and success stories to inspire you to find the purpose and passion in your career. Welcome to the Career Solutions Podcast. I'm thrilled to continue discussing taking care of your emotional wellness with Xander Kegg and how important this is to managing your career. My podcast is aired monthly, so please continue listening. Our goal is to focus on what you can do to take charge of your emotional wellness. What we will not do is provide therapy or counseling in these episodes. Our topic today is on setting boundaries and how this can impact your career and emotional wellness. So what exactly do we mean by setting boundaries? Setting a boundary means that you are clear on what you will do and what you will not do. It's establishing clear lines, whether it's with your colleagues, bosses, or partners. For example, when you are offered a new position, you receive an offer letter that states your title and compensation for working 40 hours per week. So what happens when you're expected to work more than 40 hours and you're not paid for that time? You thought you were clear until you weren't. Something happens that makes us question if someone crossed the boundary. Another example is that your boss may know that you scheduled the next week off for vacation, but he emails or texts you to handle something while you're out of the office, expecting you to answer even though it's not an emergency. Why is setting boundaries important to your emotional wellness? If you're pleasing others before yourself, you may lose self-esteem and then feel like you've been taken advantage of. We are never in total control, but it feels a lot better to be clear on our boundaries. So what can you do? Make sure you're being clear on what you want and don't want and address concerns when they happen so you can gain clarity on the expectation. Remember that you have a role in what you agree on, and I recommend putting the agreement in writing so you both have it in your records, which can be in an email. This is where you get to use your negotiating skills. Negotiating is a give and take, so be honest with what's important to you and offer solutions. It's not helpful to say you don't like something without providing another solution. So take the time to reflect and think about what's bothering you and what you really want as an acceptable compromise. Xander, what comes to mind when thinking about setting boundaries? I think it may be helpful for people to know that boundary setting is a skill set that's not innate. It's something that we have to see modeled for us in our younger life and a skill set that we need to practice and build on throughout our lives. So if we grow up in an environment where we don't see people modeling having good boundaries, physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, financial boundaries, whatever kinds of boundaries we have in our lives, then we're not going to be very good at them either. We're going to be going through life trying to establish boundaries, but not really knowing how. And then we have to be able to um, determine what our boundaries are and then we have to be able to establish our boundaries with individuals and then we have to maintain those boundaries and these are all three separate parts of boundary setting 
So it sounds like it's a lot of work. It can be a lot of work, especially if we're raised in environments where uh, stress response is people-pleasing or if we're shamed, um, if we do express our, our needs and our wants, if the adults around us prioritize their needs and wants over ours, we don't learn how to assert what our needs and wants are. Yeah, what I've experienced um, with others and even with myself, especially when it comes to careers, is that sometimes we, I use that example of getting an offer letter because sometimes we don't, we don't know what the boundary needs to be until someone crosses that boundary. And then uh, what we might do is we might let these issues pile up until we, I like to say, explode like a volcano. Absolutely, because establishing or a boundary it can be very uncomfortable for us emotionally, right? We might feel anxious about it. Um, we might believe that we don't have the right. We're not entitled to have our own boundaries. And so when we do talk to somebody about letting them know what's okay and what's not okay, um, they might actually have a really negative reaction to that. And then we have to be in a position to be with other people who are struggling with our boundary setting. And then, so then how do we do that? I mean, it's, it's very complex. It is very complicated. Yes. And I think what's important here that we want to talk about today is that we're talking about what's important to you and understanding as, you know, as an employee um, that there are, there are always boundaries that are going to be crossed. And so what's important to you? I mean, for example, some things, okay, you may not be happy with it, but it's okay. It's not a big deal. You can live with it. And other things, maybe I don't want my boss texting me or emailing me while I'm on vacation. So you can make some plans in advance and we'll talk more about that to handle that. Yeah, I think there's a difference between being inconvenienced and having your values compromised. Right, absolutely. And that's key to knowing what your values are. So before you respond to someone who has crossed the boundaries, I recommend that you talk to someone you trust and even role play what you'll say to prepare you for your conversation. Because the more you practice, the less stress you'll have. And, and we're talking about that emotional wellness. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between being overly permissive and being inflexible, right? We have to find that place in the middle. And when you talk about finding somebody in your life that you can trust and role play with, you can work that out. What to say, how to make the request so it doesn't sound like a demand. Absolutely. I find this so helpful. It's a, it's a tool that I use personally in my life. You get somebody you trust because... You, there are so many ways this could go, and it's good to brainstorm that, okay, what, what happens if that person says this? So, so that's why I bring that up. I find it is just a really helpful tool to use. I mean, we may encounter resistance from other people when we're practicing setting boundaries, and that's because we're disrupting a system, right? There's been some sort of relationship that has developed and maybe an expectation that we as the employee or the worker, the colleague, that we, are, we always say yes to things. And so when we start to say no to things, that might ruffle some feathers. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about saying no. In fact, I recommend saying no without using the word no. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's not. So let's say that your boss knew that you had tomorrow off. 
but he wants you to come to work. It's natural to blurt out, no, I can't do that. But what if you first ask some questions to better understand the request? Then once you have this understanding, say something like, I now understand your reasoning and I would like to accommodate you. However, tomorrow is a special day for me because I'm spending it with my daughter at school. Is there someone else who can help you handle this? Or you may say, now that I understand what you need, I've spoken with one of your colleagues who said that she can handle this for you while I'm out. I think, you know, there's two different ways we can go with this when I think about it. The first is to feel like the boss has completely ignored that we're going on vacation and consider this to be rude and just completely unacceptable. The other is to think about maybe when the boss was pressed and a project had to be completed quickly that we were the first person they thought of who could get it done quickly and well, right? It's two completely different frames of the same situation. Absolutely. And um, as Xander and I have actually discussed, I mean, our natural response is to think, how dare he ask me to do that? So we go to the negative place. But it could be a positive place that he has a lot of respect for you and his natural instinct without thinking it through was to contact you because you would have the answer. Well, especially if it's coming via email or text, we have time to contemplate, to take a breath, to close our eyes and just be quiet for a minute. We, we're not required to quickly respond when it's coming through those um, tech technologies. If they were walking right up to us face to face, then we'd have to come up with other um, ways that we can say no without saying no in the moment. And there are ways to do that as well. And it's an excellent point, Xander, because one of the things that I've learned, I mean, the, again, the reaction is, oh my gosh, I got this text. I, how dare he request that? And I've got to respond. It's like, huh, let me pause. Let me think it over. You don't even have to respond, you know, within a few minutes. You can think it through. You could, you know, after you, it could be an hour. It could be a couple of hours. You're on vacation. So he doesn't know. You could be in the Grand Canyon. We don't know. He doesn't know where you are. So, um, and maybe you don't even have cell service and you didn't even get that for hours later. Absolutely. I've had to, on the occasions where I've said, oh, I, I left my phone in the hotel room or I left it in the car or I shut it off because I went into a building. Yes, you're on vacation. So none of that is bad. No. <laughs> okay. Um, so... Notice when you think about setting boundaries too, we talk about emotional wellness, notice how you're communicating. Notice your tone of voice. Tone of voice can not only come face to face, but absolutely through an email or through a text message. Yeah, people are paying attention to things like using all caps, bolding text, using exclamation points. They're paying attention. They're reading into the tone. Absolutely, because those are things where you're screaming at somebody, and we know that. Um, so, again, I think, and even, you know, if you're on vacation with somebody you care about, you know, a spouse, a relative, friends, whatever, you can role play it with them. 
and think about, okay, let me let me look at all the angles here. And again, you could easily go back and request some more information. And you know what else? Another idea is you could, you might be able to contact somebody in your workplace before you even contact your boss to say, can you take care of this for him? And then let him know that you've already contacted that person who's willing to handle it. Absolutely. And I think that's a plus because then now you're also going to be the person who could quickly delegate. Absolutely. And it shows you're also demonstrating to your boss that he probably should have done that too. Yeah. But, but that's, a, that's a wonderful skill. Sometimes we have to teach others. Right. Because when if the boss is being pressed for something to be done, it's most likely that somebody has pressed him or her. So it's just coming down to us or over to us. So it's most likely hasn't started with them. They're getting that message from someone else too. Right, I would agree. So I'd also like to discuss setting boundaries on how and where we work. For example, if you work in an office that has cubicles, which is an open concept without doors, it may appear that anyone can be interrupted at any time. How do you concentrate to complete your work if you're constantly being interrupted? You can have this discussion with those who interrupt you the most and arrive in an agreed way to get your attention. You can also put up a clever sign that shows you are working. For example, brilliant mind at work. Please do not disturb. People will laugh. And remember to take the sign down when you are available. Absolutely. There are different ways, you know, on the outside of the cubicle, on the back of the chair, if your back is to the door, there are a lot of different ways we can signal to people. Even if um, some of these cubicles, they're really low walled cubicles. So that means your, your cubicle mates, it's very easy for them to sort of look around or over their computer at you and start talking. So it's like we have to figure out, depending on the configuration of our cubicles, the best way to communicate to people. In some systems, you can put your your system to red, right? It's like if you have a little messenger system, you put it to red, and then people know you're not available, right? So there are different ways to signal through technology and through, you know, paper, you know, a document. Absolutely. I think, and, and I think that's an important point because we're setting boundaries. I mean, we're, we're helping other people know that I, I've got to get this done, and so um, you're helping other people be clear because otherwise, you know, we think, okay, we can constantly be interrupted and, and everybody needs some time to think. Well, the other part of that too is that if we want people to respect our boundaries, then we have to respect theirs. So we need to be paying attention to when our colleagues put up their signs, whether that's an actual physical sign or the technological sign, we need to, or they put headphones on, right? Whatever, however they're signaling to us, because people are not necessarily going to always be setting boundaries and signaling their boundaries to us directly. Sometimes it's indirect. That's more difficult to adhere to, but if we're attentive enough, we might be able to suss out what it is they're trying to communicate to us. Absolutely. I totally agree. So we've learned what we can do when someone in the workplace doesn't respect your boundaries and it feels like they're intentionally maybe getting under your skin. And as Xander mentioned earlier, um, your, you know, your behavior may change or, you know, if we're, if we're going into um, maybe something we, I don't think we really have touched on is if we're demonstrating now a different set of behaviors, for example, um, there's a group of people and they're, they're talking about, or maybe they're spreading a rumor and we decided we don't want to do that anymore. 
And now, and we've been involved before, and now we're going to distance ourselves. Now we're demonstrating some different behaviors that might, that might confuse people. Well, I, I, in general, I think people know that gossiping isn't a really good thing to do. And so when one member of that gossip group pulls out, then everybody else is left with the thinking about, you know, is this wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Am I a bad person? You know, and it, that doesn't feel good. We don't want people to gossip about us. We shouldn't be gossiping about other people, but we tend to do it in private. And so when somebody pulls out, it might become public in the sense that people will notice that that person's not hanging out with those group, that group anymore, right? And people might start asking you, why aren't you hanging out with so-and-so anymore? What's going on? All right, so that becomes part of setting boundaries of, and, and it might be something that you just, you can articulate. You know, I, I've realized that I, this isn't right and I've chosen not to do it. And so it, it doesn't mean that you're better than someone, that you made a decision. So, so, that, so you're trying to set a boundary. Although they may interpret it that way, right? right? It's like, it's not something I want to do anymore. The interpretation could be because it's wrong, right? And so a person might then feel badly about doing it. But instead of acknowledging that and stopping it themselves, they might then, you are going to become the topic of the gossip next. Right, right, right. So, um, this, as we said earlier, the setting boundaries is complicated. It is, I mean, we're just barely touching the surface today just to raise awareness. But we wanted to make sure that, that you understand how important this is to your emotional wellness. So, Xander, thanks again for such an interesting and relevant discussion. If you're struggling with setting boundaries, contact me and we'll create ones that will work for you. In today's episode, Xander Kegg and I discuss why setting boundaries at work can enhance your emotional wellness. We shared some common work-related issues that may affect your work with some examples on how to respond. It's up to you to be clear on the boundary and to let someone else know that he or she has crossed the boundary using clear communication. Now I'd like for you to take some time to reflect on how setting boundaries may enhance the way you work at home and in the office. Have a conversation with your boss and peers and notice how you feel. Addressing these issues can have a positive impact on your work performance and attitude if done professionally. Let me know how setting boundaries made a difference with you. Please join us next month when we'll discuss bullying in the workplace and how it can affect your emotional wellness. Please share my podcast with your friends and family. You can also hear me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and other major podcast directories. Thank you for listening. <music>